0: welcome to another episode on catalyzing radical systemic change where it's all about discovering mapping and cross-pollinating what i think are the necessary building blocks towards a planetary civilization ahead today we are touching upon a rather broad topic which is real estate and what you know, can possibly, you know, this inflection point we're facing as humanity towards uh, a regenerative economy have to do with real estate. I actually think it can and necessarily needs to have a lot in common because if we look at the total assets under management worldwide, a huge chunk of that is parked in real estate. And today, my guest from... Uh, Chicago is uh, Juan Saldana he's working since uh, 24 years in the sector and is actually developing real estate in in, uh, in uh, Chicago but also uh, in other parts uh, of the U.S. and also in other countries so um, as always in the very beginning I'm really cu- curious if you could sketch one or two maybe three turning points in your biography when you became ultimately aware of the power that you have as a real estate uh, developer. So the floor is yours,
1: Juan. Alistair, good morning. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's uh, always an honor to spend time with you. You're such an intentional human being and I really appreciate this opportunity. So, you know, I I would say that there's three major inflection points. One of them was when I was a child. my, uh, my parents uh, were immigrants, uh, came to this country and um, settled in Chicago. And uh, they bought a piece of real estate. I was 10 years old at the time. And I quickly realized that that sort of transformed and changed our family. We were able to um, sort of uh, sell the property at a future date. And that allowed us to really look at, um, you know, just look at, at how families can grow and, and evolve uh, in America. You know, I don't know how it is in other parts of the world. Um, I, I quickly became very interested in how that really changed the fa- our family's economics. And so I, you know, that's sort of stuck with me. So that's point one. The second time was uh, when I was in college and I studied finance. Um, I took a real estate uh, modeling class and I was like, wow, well, this is very exact. You know, they were really in- interesting in, in seeing how uh, real estate has a lot of great features like the exactitude, right? Meaning, like, there's a lot of unknowns, but there's so many things that are known. And so as compared to the stock market, you know, there's just so many variables. It seemed like there was fewer variables in, in, um, in, in real estate. So then uh, finally in my career, I was working for uh, the government and um, a lot of larger developers were getting incentives to do projects. Uh, those incentives were tied to things such as job creation, um, changing uh, landscapes, infrastructures and as such. And I became very interested that um, only the largest developers are getting the largest amounts of funding from the city. When I looked uh, to see if there was people of color getting funding, there was very, very few, maybe one or two amongst hundreds. And I started doing the research a little deeper and I realized that this is just as an entire country, it is uh, very interesting to see that not a lot of uh, larger developers or even community developers get funding from municipalities. Um, and at that moment in time, I started thinking about this whole idea of a public private uh, relationship with real estate. Um, and so I started to really start looking more deeply at municipalities and how they need to grow and evolve. Uh, looked at uh, the financial fiscal impacts of different municipalities and why it's important for them to continue having people stay in the community. And that became fascinating. It was a fascinating thing. And I realized that there's a lot of different markets you know, for real estate and different types of asset classes. But uh, there's also, if you really look deeply, a lot of these larger projects have a lot of subsidy. And I wanted to make sure that those subsidies were going to be equitable, that those subsidies were going to actually um, really influence growth in those communities. And when I started looking more closely, I realized that there was a lot of you know mismatch um, so I became super interested in the, in the subject and decided to start a company that was highly conscious right We started looking at what is equity, what is uh, community wealth, uh, what is uh, financial resiliency when it comes to community and that's where it all began so all of those things were very deeply influential and it got me to where I am today so
0: so then the next question would be obviously since you're deploying the capital you also need to follow the rules and the regulations of the market. But there's one part in following the system, and there's another part in actually also shaping the sector. So I'm curious to listen in where you need to follow, and also where you see possibilities where you're shaping already, and even more where you sense Is a good opportunity
1: for you to shape the market. That's wonderful. Uh, Thank you. So a lot of uh, the the funding uh, that comes from it, you know, there's several types, right? So we look at uh, investor capital. We look at debt financing. We look at public financing, and then there's another layer that what I call philanthropic financing um, to help catalyze community reinvestment. And so when we start looking at um, all of these things put together um, for the public side, it's it's highly public uh, and therefore you have to meet certain objectives. One of those objectives is your community development agreement uh, in, in our city and many cities have different words for it, but really it's an agreement with the public sector and the private sector saying that you're going to try to achieve the metrics for the measurements of impact that you're trying to uh, Put together for that particular community or that particular area. So there's a lot of a lot of things that need to be done. There's a lot of legal documentation that needs to happen. So that's very constricted. When you look at capital, financial capital, if you have an investment thesis, you have to be very very accurate. You can't say, oh, I'm going to build uh, mixed use and then you start building industrial. It doesn't it doesn't really equate to work. So you have to you have to sort of stay in in those lanes, so to speak. But what's extremely unique. Um, in this in this particular new new phase of catalyzing community reinvestment, is that the community and um, uh, can take an active role in innovative projects that are going to create resiliency, right? And there's new like everything that is, is that people thought was like, well, is that something that's an asset, right? Um, is a community investment trust important for the community? What's happening now is that the norms of capitalism are being challenged. in in hyper-local communities. That's, let me repeat that, the norms of capitalism are being challenged in hyper-local communities. What does that mean? That means that communities are now taking an active role in some level of ownership, participation, stewardship, things of that nature. So where the innovation is coming from really is the microcosm, right, of what we call impact, right, is happening in the communities. And then at the macrocosm level, we're looking at these large funds. I don't know if your audience knows about ESG, Environmental Social Governance. Um, What's happening is large corporations, large organizations are really focusing their financial portfolio into actually changing the dynamics of of culture, climate, equity, things of that there's 19 development goals and such. And uh, a lot of these development goals are now translating into Um, community-based, what I call S uh, of of the ESG model uh, developments and investment opportunities. So where I think the market is going is that the largest developers are really now looking more deeply into this. Uh, We're looking at really creating and changing uh, social outcomes, governance outcomes, and environmental outcomes. And the way to do that really is to take an active role into the growth of your own community, because what we've realized over, over even the pandemic is that resiliency is a must for any community, it does not matter if you're in the United States or in Europe. We have to make sure that there's you know, food, uh, transportation, access. These things are, are gonna be always important. And why not in this kind of you know, world where equity is important now, you know, becoming, I wouldn't say fashionable, but I would say that it's now at the forefront of people's psyche let's start thinking very a little bit more deeply of how do we do this in a very intentional way with consciousness to really look at all of the other aspects of development um, that that create that ecosystem. And I say ecosystem because it's we're very interdependent, even though it might be a hyper-local community, we're dependent on you know, the city, the state, and the other types of levels of government to actually trickle down, but from this point, sprout up from the community to, uh, to make change happen uh, in a way that it's equitable and also fair.